listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on this four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria Vagrida. Today is Day 63, and if you would like to join me in this reading, you can buy your own four volumes from Tan Books and use the code PODCAST15 at checkout to save 15% off. And on Facebook, you can discuss the day's readings at the Mystical City of God in a Year Facebook group page, and you can interact with other listeners and with me. Today, we are reading from Book 2, Chapter 9, Paragraphs 543 to 552. The reasonableness or prudent judgment of Most Holy Mary can be easily inferred from what St. Luke says of her, that she kept and pondered in her heart the mysterious events in the life of her Most Holy Son. This pondering was the reasoning which she employed, comparing cause with cause in the order in which they occurred and happened, And by this comparison, she formed for herself most prudent counsels, which enabled her to act with the perfection peculiar to her. Although she very often understood many things without the discourse of reasoning by a simple intuition and intelligence, which exceeded all human understanding, yet as far as the actual experience of the virtues was concerned, she applied this process of reasoning from the abstract principles of virtue to her own practice of them. 544. In regard to cleverness and diligent application of the rules of prudence, the Sovereign Lady also was highly privileged, for she was not weighed down by the heavy load of human passion and corruption, and thus she felt not our languors or tardiness in her faculties. But she was always alert, ready, and very skillful in noticing and attending to all that was necessary to come to a correct and wholesome conclusion in the performance of virtuous actions and in striking, readily and quickly, the happy medium of virtue in her doings. Equally admirable was Most Holy Mary in her circumspection, for all her works were so accomplished that no point of her perfection was missing, and all of them stand forth in the highest perfection possible. And as the greater part of her actions were works of charity towards the neighbor, and all of them most opportune, Therefore, in all her teaching, admonishing, consoling, beseeching, and correcting of her neighbor, the efficacious sweetness of her reasonable and pleasing manners met with its full success. 545. The last complement of prudence, called cautiousness, which meets and evades the impediments of virtue, was necessarily also possessed by the Queen of Angels, in a greater perfection than by these spirits. For her exalted wisdom and the love which accompanied it incited her to such caution and foresight that no event which might be an impediment to the exercise of the exercise of the most perfect virtue found her unprepared and unprovided for a counter-remedy. And since the enemy, as will be described later on, not being able to find any hold in her passions, exerted himself so much in placing elaborate and unheard-of obstacles in her way, the most prudent virgin had occasion to practice this caution many times, thereby exciting the wonder of the apostles. On account of the cautious discretion of the Most Holy Mary, the demon pursued her with a terrified wrath and envy, burning with a desire to know by what power she foiled such powerful machinations and cunning snares, as he devised in order to hinder or draw her away. 
for in every instant he was vanquished and had to be a witness of the most perfect exercise of all that is virtuous in all her undertakings and workings. 546. After having mentioned and described the parts and complements of prudence, let us examine the different species or kinds into which it can be divided, according to the object on the ends to which it is applied. Prudence can be used either in our own actions and affairs or for the affairs of others, and thus arise two kinds of prudence, directing the activity which concerns ourselves and that which concerns our neighbors. That which governs one's own particular activity is called anarchic prudence, and in reference to the Queen of Heaven, it is not necessary to say more in proof of her having exercised this kind of prudence than what has already been said above about the manner in which she regulated her own life. The prudence which regulates the government of others is called polyarchic. This is subdivided into four kinds according to four different ways of governing others. The first kind is that which facilitates the government of countries by just and useful laws. It is proper to kings, princes, and monarchs, and of all those whose authority is supreme. The second kind is called the political prudence, which has its name from the fact that it teaches the right government of cities to republics. The third is called economical prudence, which shows how to govern and manage domestic affairs of the family or particular homes. The fourth is military prudence, which is adapted to prosecution of wars and the management of armies. 547. None of these different kinds of prudence was wanting in our great queen. All were given to her as habits in the instant of her conception and of her sanctification, so that no grace, no virtue, no perfection, which might exalt and beautify her above all creatures, might be wanting in her. The Mosai made her an archive and depository of all his gifts, an example to all the rest of creation, thus giving an exhibition of his power and greatness so that in the whole heavenly Jerusalem it might be known what he could and would do for a mere creature. And in Mary these sublime habits of virtue did not lie idle, for all of them she exercised in the course of her life on many occasions as they offered themselves. As regards economical prudence, it is well known how incomparable was the government of her domestic affairs when living with her spouse Joseph and with her most holy son, for in his education and service she acted with such prudence as was befitting the most occult mystery which God entrusted to men, as I shall show in another place according to my understanding and ability. 5.48 She exercised also the governing of monarchical prudence as the sole empress of the church, teaching, advising, and directing the sacred apostles in the primitive church thus helping to lay its foundation to imitate the laws, rites, and ceremonies most necessary and useful for its propagation and establishment. Though she obeyed the apostles in particular matters, and consulted especially St. Peter as the vicar of Christ and the head of the church, and St. John as her chaplain, yet they and all the Christians asked her advice and followed it in the general and particular matters relating to the government of the church. She also taught the Christian kings and princes who approached her for counsel, for many of them sought to know her after the ascension of her most holy son into heaven. Among them especially can be mentioned the three kings of the east, when they came to adore the child. She explained and instructed them in all that they must do for their states with such light and clearness, that she was the star and guide on the way to eternity. 
They returned to their country, enlightened, consoled, and astonished at the wisdom, prudence, and sweetness of the words which they heard from the mouth of a tender maiden. In witness of all the high praise which this queen deserved in this regard, it is enough to hear her own words. By me, kings reign, and lawgivers decree just things. By me, princes rule. Proverbs 8.13 5.49 Neither was the political prudence wanting in her, for she taught the republics and nations, and the primitive Christians in particular, how to proceed in public acts of government of the country, how they must obey kings and secular princes, their prelates and bishops, how they are to convoke councils, issue the definitions and decrees resolved upon. Even military prudence found a place in the sovereign queen, for also in this direction she was consulted by some of the faithful, and she instructed and taught them what was required to carry on a just war with their enemies, so as to conduct them according to the justice and pleasure of the Lord. Here can also be mentioned the courage and prudence with which the powerful lady vanquished the Prince of Darkness, teaching us thereby how we must battle with him, for she overcame him by an exalted wisdom and prudence, greater than that shown by David in his combat with the giant, or by Judith with Holofernes, or by Esther with Amon. 1 Kings 17.50, Judith 13.10, Esther 7.6. Even if all these kinds of prudence had not been needed for these actions mentioned, yet it was proper that this mother of wisdom, aside of their being befitting ornaments of her most holy soul, should possess them on account of her being the mediatrix and sole advocate of this world. For as she was to procure by her intercession all the blessings which God would bestow upon the human race, and since none of them were to be granted without her intercession, it was necessary that she should know perfectly all the virtues which she was to obtain from men, and that these blessings next to God, their uncreated being, should flow from her as from an original source. 5.50 There are other helps which are attached to the virtue of prudence, and which are called potential parts being, as it were, instruments with which prudence works. They are synesis, or the aptitude and readiness to form sane judgments. Ubulia, the faculty of giving and suggesting good counsel. Gnome, which teaches what exceptions can justly be made to general rules. And this latter is necessary for the use of epikeia, which enables us to judge what particular cases are to be decided by rules higher than the ordinary. All these perfections and excellences adorned the prudence of Most Holy Mary, so that no one could give unerring counsel in all possible contingencies, nor could any one, not even the most exalted angel, form such correct judgment in all things as she. Above all was our most prudent queen, skilled in the higher principalities and rules of action, and such as were the ordinary and common laws. But it would require a long discourse even to mention the instances here, Many of them will be understood in the sequel of this history of her most holy life. In order to conclude this chapter on the prudence of the Blessed Virgin, it is only necessary to say that the rule by which it is to be measured is none else than the prudence of the soul of Christ, our Lord, for it was conformed and assimilated entirely to his, since she was to be the coadjutrix in all the works of wisdom and prudence, performed by the Lord of all creation and Savior of the world. Instruction vouchsafed by the Queen of Heaven. 551. My daughter, I wish that all thou hast written and that thou hast understood in this chapter be to thee an instruction, 
and a reminder of what I have taught thee for the government of thy actions. Write in thy heart and fix in thy mind the memory of all thou hast learnt of my prudence and all that I have thought, desired, and executed. Let this light guide thee through the midst of the darkness of human ignorance, so that thou mayest not be disturbed or confounded by the luring passions, nor especially by the malice and snares laid thee by the watchful malice of thy enemies, seeking to infect thy understanding. Not to be endowed with all the perfections of prudence is not culpable in the creature, but to be negligent in learning the rules of prudence after having been instructed how to attain this knowledge is a serious fault and the cause of many mistakes and errors in the conduct of affairs. On account of this negligence, the passions countermand, impede, and obstruct the dictates of prudence. This is especially the case with disorderly sorrow and excessive enjoyment, which are apt to pervert the just estimation of good or bad. Thence arise two dangerous vices, precipitation in our actions impelling us to undertake things without considering the proper means of success, and inconstancy in our good resolutions and in the works once begun. Ungoverned anger or indiscreet fervor both cause us to be precipitate or remiss in many of our exterior actions, because they are performed without proper moderation and counsel. Hasty judgment and want of firmness in pursuing the good cause the soul imprudently to desist from its laudable enterprise, for it gives easy admittance to that which is opposed to the true good, and is highly pleased now with the true goodness, then again with what is but apparent and deceitful, or is presented by the passion or by the demon. 5.52 Against all these dangers I wish to see thee watchful and provident, and thou wilt be so, if thou attend to the example which I gave thee in my life, and if thou obey the instructions and counsels of thy spiritual guides. For without them thou must do nothing, if thou wishest to proceed with docile discretion. Be assured that the Most High will give thee plentiful wisdom, for a pure, submissive, and docile heart will draw from him superabundant aid." Keep in mind always the misfortune of the imprudent and the foolish virgins who in their thoughtless negligence rejected wise counsel and cast aside fear instead of being solicitous. And when afterwards they sought to make up for it, they found the portal of salvation closed against them. Matthew twenty-five twelve. See to it, therefore, my daughter, that thou unite the simplicity of the dove with the prudence of the serpent, and then thy works shall be perfect. This concludes our reading today for day 63. Today we are reading from book 2, chapter 9, 543 to 552. One of the things that spoke to me very early on in our reading today, actually in the very first paragraph that we read from, the reasonableness or prudent judgment of Most Holy Mary can be easily inferred from what St. Luke says of her, that she kept and pondered in her heart the mysterious events in the life of her Most Holy Son. And so as we're trying to live this prudent life of making good decisions and well-informed decisions, I think Mary's pondering, Mary's reflection in her heart offers us an example that after something, we reflect on it. And from that reflection, we learn from our past actions, so then it will inform our future actions. So that if I was imprudent today, while placed in the same or similar situation tomorrow, hopefully then I will be prudent. So it's good for us to have this pondering heart, 
this meditative heart in order to understand the movement of God and where we failed to respond and where we could do better. Another aspect of Mary's exercise of prudence. And in Mary, these sublime habits of virtue did not lie idle. For all of them she exercised in the course of her life on many occasions as they offered themselves. Well, again, this is prudence in the life of Mary, but it speaks to us that sometimes we allow virtues to remain dormant in our life. And I bet it's been a long time since maybe we thought about prudence. In fact, this whole reading about prudence, I didn't realize that it was so multifaceted, that there were many aspects of prudence. I felt like I was reading Thomas Aquinas, who always would break things down as I was reading this uh, selection from Maria Vagrida today. But whatever virtue it is, well, maybe they are lying dormant in our life. And so we ask the Lord today in our prayer to stir the virtues in our soul so that no longer are they idle, but that we might make use of them in our life, that we might be virtuous, that we might be more prudent. So it's fitting then that the Blessed Mother would tell Maria today, write in thy heart and fix in thy mind the memory of all that thou hast learned of my prudence. And that's what we want to do. You know, it was pretty dense, I'll admit that. It was pretty deep, our conversation about prudence. But I think we just take away simply prudence and write prudence on your heart so that you will live a more prudent, a more holy life. When we don't live a prudent life, we're told today that there are two dangerous vices that could happen. Precipitation in our actions, impelling us to undertake things without considering the proper means of success, and inconstancy in our good resolutions and in the works once begun. Maybe in your life you can identify times in which you've undertook things and didn't think about what it would mean. Or maybe you could think about the good resolutions you've begun, but then maybe didn't bring to completion. It seems that that was a lack of prudence. And now we know that. And so now when we make a decision again, we consider everything that goes into it. When we already have made a decision, we ask for perseverance so that we might bring it to completion. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the mystical city of God. I'm grateful that you joined me today, and I hope that you'll join me again tomorrow. May God bless you, and Mary pray for you.